Hello and welcome to the Root Simple Podcast. We're the audio companion to the Root Simple blog, where we cover gardening, home economics, and DIY living. This show is hosted by myself, Eric Knudsen, and Kelly Coyne. We are the authors of The Urban Homestead and Making It, Radical Home Act for a Post-Consumer World. Our topic this week is toilets, or turlets. How do you like to say it, Kelly? I say toilets. Where does that turlet come from? Is that an East Coast thing? That's an East Coast thing. I see. Well, we have a new... Actually, we're going to talk more about, not just about toilets, but about humaner, of course. We're going to take it to uh, take it to 11, so to speak. But first, the the toilet. We got a new toilet this week. It was a week of activities. It was a difficult week, kind of a challenging week. Kind of why there wasn't a podcast last week. Yeah, it was a very difficult week. We had a we were kind of uh, hit with a lot of things. Eric had just come off of a jag with his kidney stones, his best friends, his little kidney stones, still dealing with that. And uh, I woke up one morning with just the worst migraine I've had in years, and at the same time. Our perpetually ailing cat, Phoebe, woke up feeling poorly, too, and Eric saw that she was in one of her sudden declines and had to rush her to the vet while I stayed at home home and moaned in bed for the next two days. Um, So Phoebe and I had both had a rough week, and Eric had a rough week taking care of both of us and worrying, and we didn't do the podcast. We missed some blog posts. Actually, in the middle of that, you had also decided to resurface the kitchen floor. Yeah, right floor. before the migraine hit. Am I, I don't know, <laughs> resurfacing the kitchen floor with a palm sander might have checked, like wiggled my brain so much that it caused the migraine. I don't know. But so, yeah, the, I had torn everything out. Everything from the kitchen was in the living room. The kitchen was somewhat unusable, and I was laid up for two days. So that made everything just that much more pleasant last week. And PB, should be said, made a recovery rather miraculously. Yeah, she's on, we said she, we've counted her nine lives and those are gone now. So she, I don't know. She's it's just on working on her 11. own rules at this point. She's, she, this is a cat that lives on will alone. But she's back. And in the middle of this, our good friend John Zaff came over and took some pity on us and cheered, cheered me up, which was very nice. And uh, somehow in the conversation... It um, Well, he had just got a new toilet. Oh, that's right. And he used our toilet and came out of the bathroom complaining about it. And everybody complains about our toilet. We we really had the worst toilet in the world. It clogged regularly, but it was kind of like a bad relationship where you just get used to working around it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the fact that we had to snake it out all the time just seemed normal to us and not like most people don't snake their toilets every couple of weeks. Um, you know, or horrify their guests by, um, by you know, having a clogging toilet, because what's worse than being a guest and then having to come out of the bathroom and say, toilet's clogged. So, yeah, we've, we've uh, terrified and, and appalled people and done a lot of work ourselves just in this with just to work with this bad toilet all these years. And um, finally, John came out of the toilet. <laughs> he came over um, with food for us, like Eric said, to uh, to uh, feed us since we couldn't use our kitchen and to cheer Eric up because Phoebe's his specialist little princess and John's a cat person. So he knew how sad Eric was. We thought she wasn't going to make it that morning. And, uh, and, but he came out of the bathroom just saying, you have to have a new toilet. This is ridiculous. And he's like, I've got a plumber. I know a toilet. 
and he just started making calls and we just submissively let him do it. And um, I'm so happy we have a new toilet. And a new plumber who is a very nice guy. And he, yeah, he got right online. And uh, of course, the this isn't an ad for, we're not sponsored by Toto. Maybe no. we should have a Toto sponsorship, but both he and the plumber feel very strongly that Toto's the way to go. And we ended up with a toilet that's called the Eco Promenade. <laughs> and that's how I like to describe our lifestyle is as an Eco Promenade. I knew it was our toilet the minute I saw it. The Eco part is because it's a low flu- low flow, low flush, low, flush. low water flush, low water 1. use toilet. 1.28 gallons to be specific. Which is great, you know. I mean, I think our last one wasn't a complete water hog, um, but it wasn't nearly as good. I was confused by the word promenade, but I later <laughs> figured it out when the toilet arrived and it was kind of massive. It is. It's like, I call it the QE2. Right. Because it, I think the promenade refers to the promenade deck on a cruise ship. <laughs> That's the rim. <laughs> right. Because it's so huge. We won't get into some of the, the jokey things the plumber said about the size of well, the, the bowl, plumber. Well, but... the plumber pointed out, well, I think we can say you know, without being crass at all, that gentlemen prefer elongated bowls, or if they don't know that they prefer elongated bowls, once they experience the elongated bowl, they prefer them. So we now have an elongated bowl. Yeah, well, the, a the, promenade. <laughs> the other thing about it is that it, it's a, it's high. It's, it's really toilet. tall. It's, I mean, we're tall people. I've, and I worry that when our our more vertically challenged friends come over, that their feet are going to tangle off the edge. <laughs> we might have to put a phone book in there or something if those still exist. I think the aging in place notion is that's the that, that's one thing that is a little appalling, you know, because as as we're pushing, you know, through middle age, and you can feel all the little creaky creaky betrayals of the body starting. I had been noticing with our low toilet of late, and I hope this isn't too much information, <laughs> Eric shaking his head, but just that you know, with my hips, I don't know, kind of protesting a little bit when I got up, like kind of having to use some oh, to, get, get, to get off that toilet. <laughs> and now with the eco promenade being so tall, you just sort of slide off of it. <laughs> but one, one could argue that you're better off actually with a low slung toilet. Yeah, you should. I mean, we should be doing our squats every day and we should be living on the floor. Or arguably no toilet. A hole in the ground? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a whole movement uh, involving this and involving various step stools and oh, arrangements. You mean, you mean toilets that have a platform? That so have you, a platform. That you, so that you use the toilet in a squatting posture. There's also, <laughs> it's a little arcane, but there's a Northern California art piece that was one of these sort of step stools for a toilet. I think we might have blogged about it. It's very obscure. Someone thought it was like a fluxus object or something, but in fact, it turned out to be a, a stool someone had built so that they could squat on the toilet. I didn't uh, you know. You know the story. I know. If we haven't blogged about it, we should blog about that one because <laughs> it's kind of up, up our alley, so to speak. Well, I guess we could always enclose the eco promenade in a plywood cube and put some stairs up the plywood cube and then <laughs> squat on top of that you know <laughs> you practically have to maybe some melamine on top so, freezy cleaning mixed mixed feelings about the tall toilet i mean certainly for uh, disabled people or older people this kind of high toilet 
is actually a, a really good idea. We didn't know that was one of the features of it. It's certainly better than those toilet extender things for older people. Those so are, those are, those are kind of awful. So this is definitely an improvement on that. So when we're aging in place, we won't have to switch out our toilet. Although... We won't be able to get up the stairs into right. our house. There's, a, there's that problem. <laughs> but and the funicular, or perhaps the jetpacks, will be here by that time. Jetpack toilet, which is kind of what we have, because it's it has what's called the Emacs flushing system. I love the. I, I'd love to be at the meetings where they name these things Emacs. You know, Emacs elimination. Or electronic. I don't know what the E stands for. Actually, mm. uh, I had to do a little research on it, and it. It refers to a siphon jet and glazed pathway, is the way they put it. So I thought it was some sort of vacuum flush system, but it's not. I think it refers to the shape of the bowl. I will say that in you know that the toilet it replaced was a was in some ways a lot more attractive. It was a very beautiful mm-hmm. um, American standard toilet. However, it didn't work from the very beginning. It was, I think, the second generation of low-flow toilets, but it just didn't work um, mm. in spite of the fact that it was beautiful and it, it matched the sink next to it. But this thing, I have to say, it does... It does what it it's is, supposed it to do. Emacs, and it is Emacs. This, Off it goes. In, in some ways, this whole podcast is an excuse for me to read an excerpt from David Foster Wallace's essay, A Supposedly Fun Thing I'll Never Do Again, which is worth reading in its entirety. But it It's about his um, sojourn on a cruise ship. Exactly. Back in, back 19, in the 1995. Yeah. And it's hysterical. Very funny. And there's a passage involving the toilet. He becomes the, obsessed with the toilet in his stateroom. So I thought I'd I'd read that excerpt. Uh, This is David Foster Wallace here. But all this is still small potatoes compared to 1009's, that's the room number, uh, 1009's fascinating and potentially malevolent toilet. A harmonious concordance of elegant form and vigorous function, flanked by rolls of tissue so soft as to be without the usual preference for tearing, My toilet has above it this sign. This toilet is connected to a vacuum sewage system. Please do not throw into the toilet anything than ordinary toilet waste and toilet paper. And there's a little footnote, a lot of footnotes in this essay. The missing predicate preposition here is sick. Ditto what looks to be an implied image of thrown excrement. But the mistake seems somehow endearing, humanizing, and this toilet needed all the humanizing it could get. Wallace continues, Yes, that's right, a vacuum toilet. And as with the exhaust fan above, not a lightweight or unambitious vacuum. The toilet's flush produces a brief but traumatizing sound, a kind of high-held bee gargle, as of some gastric disturbance on a cosmic scale. Along with this sound comes a concussive suction so awesomely powerful that it's both scary and strangely comforting. Your waist seems less removed than hurled from you, and hurled with a velocity that lets you feel as though the waist is going to end up someplace so far away from you that it will have become an abstraction, a kind of existential-level sewage treatment. It's a very funny passage and also actually very profound if you read between the lines, mm-hmm. because what he's actually 
kind of talking about there is is a fear of death that he weaves through this this essay and the waste is kind of a you know substitute mm. for that and mm-hmm. it's a nice and, and it, it goes on to greater levels of paranoia where he he fears that this that the uh, staff are going to try to assassinate him by greasing the seat of his oh that's right suction and sucking bowl. him down it. It, it it's very funny but, that's uh, right there's another long footnote involving the toilet but um <laughs> we'll we'll leave it for you guys yeah. to discover it's very the whole essay is very funny again it's called a supposedly fun thing i'll never do again anyways you can read it but it, it kind of leads into our next topic which is human error which is you know a little bit about what David Foster Wallace was talking about here is our waste is hurled away from us conveniently. So you never see it again. Whoosh, it's gone. Where it's out of sight, out like of the, mind. Like the ego promenade now. We used to have to, with our, our malfunctioning toilet, have a more intimate relationship with our waste. But now with the ego promenade, we're back into that world of of the waste just um, zipping into the existential void, and you know, we don't know what happens to it. Well, it actually goes to the Hyperion well, sewage know treatment know plant. To it, but you know where what we've I'm saying. turned. But it, I'm saying you know it, it's yeah. it's the it's the psychology of our waste management system, and it's better than dealing with um, disease, of course. So it's sort of a compromise the system we have now, where where our waste is is processed away from us. But, but of course, it is a waste of resources. Water. And and nitrogen and our own nitrogen, nitrogen, our own nitrogens, and uh, you know we're using potable water to send useful nitrogens in a drought, of course. In a drought, it, it's bad at any time, but it's particularly bad right now. So that brings us to the topic of dry toilets. Dry toilets, which we tried for a brief period, and the story of that's kind of a funny one too, because it was someone else's art project. Yeah. And they came to us and gave us all the accoutrements. They gave us a barrel. And a bucket. And a bucket. And a bunch of sawdust. A bunch of sawdust. (laughs) There's not a lot of accoutrements to dry toileting. (laughs) I later went on. This is a little plug for our our second book, Making It. I I did a dry toilet design in that that I'm very proud of. Actually, that's kind of the thing that I'm most proud of is that, (laughs) that milk crate toilet in there. So get a copy of the book. If you don't have it now, that was a plug. But um, <laughs> it's on the blog too. It's on the blog too. Yeah, you can you can look it up. Milk crate and dry toilet, and you'll find it. But um, so we tried this. Uh, <laughs> that was the. Of course, it was an art project. Like everything in LA is either a film or an art project. And they gave us all this stuff. The instructions were to use the dry toilet for a month, and then they would come back. And, of course, somehow this would all end up in a gallery. I yeah, they were going to combine all the different waste they collected. And it, would, it, would, it, it amused us to imagine our poo in a gallery. The great thing was they never came back. Mm-mm. For some whatever reason, yeah. which I, I liked because then I got to actually compost what we had briefly tried. And it, you know, it uh, for people who haven't done it, they might think it's gross. It, it wasn't actually because well, as long as you cover your waist with a little bit of Maybe we should step backward shavings. and tell people how a dry toilet works. Sure. So you have a bucket inside. And inside, yeah. And you put a could toilet be outside seat on too, it, of course. Yeah, it could be out. But um, basically, it's inside five gallon bucket with a toilet seat on it, one way or another. You know, people build different uh, superstructures around the bucket. You kind of want to keep flies out of it. So some people have sealable versions. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, and uh, and every time you use it, no matter what you do in it, you put 
uh, layer of sawdust down over whatever you did. Sawdust, or actually, um, I think pine shavings work better than sawdust. Sawdust is very high in carbon, so it, yeah, it makes it, it difficult it to compost later on without, unless you adjust it, unless you add a lot more nitrogen to it. I think it. the real trick with um, sawdust is to use partially composted sawdust already, like and not the kiln-dried stuff, but the wet stuff, which you not everybody can get their hands on. I think that's the kind of stuff you get out of lumber yards, you know, where they're actually processing trees. Like um, sawdust that's been outside and wet and sitting around for a while, so it's already partially composted. I think that's that works really well. But the kiln-dried stuff, like Eric says, um, is is so carbon-heavy that sometimes it – it, it causes the the mix of carbon and nitrogen to be off in the composting system, but the bed the shavings he's talking about are available as um, animal bedding, and you can get them at um, what you call it stores. Not pet, pet well pet stores, yeah, but they're more horse, expensive horse uh, feed like stores. Ho- feed, feed stores, stores yes, yeah. where the horse stuff is. Right. <laughs> uh, you can get like a big compressed cube of it, which will last you just forever and ever. And they're also good for worm bins. I use those same shavings for a worm bin. You can also, so you, you know, all kinds of waste go in it, bathroom waste it is, and including the toilet toilet paper paper as well. And then you empty it into a compost pile outside. Yeah, so you have to to pick up the bucket and take it outside. Right. And then you compost it as you would compost anything else, except that you need to be a little more vigorous about it. <clears throat> Make sure it's moist and um, and let it sit for a whole year. Let it sit for a whole year, and I wouldn't use it on vegetables, uh, but some people have. I mean, it it is it does eventually become soil, and ours did. It actually decomposed quite nicely. After about a year, it should run through all the possible cycles it can run through to kill all the pathogens. That's why it has a year curing. We have friends who are expert composters who have run it through it, you know, who've composted it and then sent the compost to the lab to make sure and it's come out quite clean. Now, but if you're a beginning composter and you're not quite sure what you're doing, then the solution is to, I think, just let it sit for that whole year just to be double sure that that the pathogens have all run their different cycles, all the different bugs and critters have worked at it. Um, Ideally, though, you're getting it to temperature above ideally, 130 degrees yeah, ideally you're, for a few days. It's like it's like graduate level composting. If you already are composting vegetable stuff, this is the step up. But you don't have to. There's the other kind of there there's the people who who deposit all their waste into a closed system and then put a lid on it and then let it sit for a year in storage, right? It's called moldering. Yeah, I still think you get a higher quality compost if you manage it and get it to temperature. I think it depends, though, on whether your your goal is to have high quality compost for your garden or just to um, dispose, of, dispose waste. of your waste in an ecologically friendly manner. So you'll come out at the end of like that moldering with something that's not harmful and, and it's somewhat helpful. It's maybe more like a mulch than a compost, you know, if it's not... 
I don't know if it, if you it's haven't managed of, it as well. We have friends with a cabin out in the desert, and that's actually what they do. It kind oh, of sits do? for a long time. Yeah, you let so it sits in the in a sealed bucket for like or um, barrel or you know. Well, they thing. they do it in a compost pile actually, but it, out there it's not somewhere where you're going to do vegetable gardening or some or gardening of any kind right. really. So it it just kind of sits and desiccates over a year and and <laughs> uh, decomposes. It, you know, the dry toilet is actually a good method for remote cabins and places like that that people might have. Or if you are living off-grid, um, even in the city, as long as you have somewhere to do the composting. Then that was the problem here. Yeah. There's we, not enough room in this small lot. I think you could do it if you planned it correctly and left enough space to store barrels full of, of poo. And um, it, it could work. You need quite a bit. That that is what got us. That's what why we stopped because we were using not barrels but uh, open piles. But we realized that we would need at least three of them. And there just wasn't, in addition to yeah. our our normal composting, which already takes up most of the room we have. We just don't have. We have a very small yard, and you and you don't really want the the humanure composting to be right under your nose or right where you're you're barbecuing or whatever you know so if you although you know again it didn't smell it didn't at smell, all no not at all the only time um, a humanure system smells is if you're not using enough cover material or you put too much water you know if you're not managing the pile correctly it could, it could go anaerobic and then it that it would smell but. yeah out back or but i mean uh, in the in the house yeah in the in house the bathroom, it, it didn't it didn't smell you know either. what it would smell like sometimes though is wet wet wood like wet well, sawdust they wet had shavings. given us you know they had given us a, a cedar cedar chips which is not a good option actually because cedar doesn't decompose very quickly so it did smell like wet cedar chips which was okay at the beginning but then it you know, it's like, um, it just reminds you that it's there somehow. You feel a little bit like a hamster. But that, you know, I, with the pine shavings, I think it would be fine. Also, also now I recall the cedar, you know, that it's a, it was a red cedar and it, it tended to be kind of stainy. Like, I didn't like, yeah, yeah left, um, don't use the cedar. Yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't a good idea. But, but you know, that's art for you. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> uh, former art. <laughs> Spoken art like a school. former art. Person, victim yeah. <laughs> details details other, it's all about the concept yeah the other issues though were that it it's illegal and we have tours here occasionally and things like that so i, I that made me a little nervous i yeah, if we didn't live a public life like we do i i don't think that would have been a concern because it was just very again what didn't smell at all and you would never know it was it was going on actually. The other problem though was that it was an additional chore. In other words, you have to take that bucket out, which is lazy on my part. But it's just another thing. It's like, oh I got it, you know, there's scraps to go to the garden, there's the chickens to take care of, there's the recycling has to go down to the curb, you know, and then it's like now now the poo's gotta go out back. You know, I think it was thing. we were doing it when we were writing one of the books, so there were a lot of projects going on here, various fermentation projects and beer making and it was just a little it was one project too many at that mm -hmm. point. But for someone who doesn't have all that stuff going on again, I, I don't think it would be that that big a concern. So that was, and this is all, by the way, if you're interested in going in this in depth, you can look at the uh, Human or Handbook. Yes, that's a book, but um, it's also online. online. I think. So if you just Google Human or Handbook, 
by Joe Jenkins, who's kind of the uh, human or guru right now. And that, that's the method that we just described. Yeah. It's not, however, the only way to do it. No, and I've become fascinated recently because I've been wanting to revisit humanure, um, especially in light of our drought. But I was stymied mostly by the space considerations that we've already discussed. And then I was looking at Brad Lancaster's blog, which is really well worth looking at if you don't know who Brad Lancaster is. We'll, we'll put a link uh, to his site as well. He is a water harvester extraordinaire and a very nice guy. Kind of cute, too. (laughs) All the eco-ladies like Brad Lancaster. (laughs) You should hear all the the cooing amongst the cougar set. At any rate, um, uh, I saw his toilet setup, which is um, solves some of the problems that we had with our our humaner style setup, our open composting setup. What solved the chore problem of it having to the empty chore a small problem, but also bucket, the space right? problem. Okay, so what he does, and we'll, again, we'll link to this, is you're, you have a, a, a bathroom area. He has an outdoor bathroom area that has two or three 50-gallon drums that are half sunk into the soil. This is mostly just for convenience so that they're at seating height. You could you could have them above the soil and then build steps up to them. But the basic notion is that you're going into a 50-gallon barrel. What you do is you use, you use the 50-gallon barrel, as we've already described, alternating your deposits with your carbonaceous material. But when you fill it up, you, you basically close it up. And like we were just talking about those closed systems, that moldering, that's what you do. You, you close it up, although they have special instructions there about um, maybe stirring it or fly screens. And, you know, there's, there's some details, but um, basically you close it up and let it sit. And in the meanwhile, you move your toilet seat to the next barrel over. And he said for like one person or two people who are not always using that toilet system, maybe two barrels is good. And if you've got two people who are using it heavily or three people and you have three barrels, you, know, you can work out how many barrels you need for your family. I really like this idea. Uh, and we have a space in this funny little corner that's just all full of spiders and raccoons right now behind um, my shed out back. And I want to put uh, two barrels there, make a two-barrel system but Eric doesn't agree with me. It involves digging, one of my least favorite activities. And the other problem <sighs> with this, though, is that it's on a remote corner of the yard. And I just doubt that when nature calls, you're going to want to go out there, particularly if it's a cold day or raining. Oh, it's so cold here. Well, it rains twice it a year. <laughs> what? That's not true. It, it is true. <laughs> I I contend that I would use it because I love nature. It's in a part of- Part of the yard <laughs> where you're don't. likely to be sitting there and encounter a uh, raccoon family staring at you. <laughs> that would make nighttime trips to the bathroom exciting. Oh, now, actually, it? what I'm imagining is that we probably would use the indoor toilet, the eco promenade, at night. I know I, I don't really intend to get a flashlight and go out to this dark corner of our backyard at night, but during the day, again, our yard's not. It's not like I'm going to the back forty. I'm going like twenty feet out our back door. I mean, suburban houses are bigger than our entire yard. It's not that far to get to the the um, proposed toilet area, and I think during the day, uh, and also when I'm out there, when I'm in the shed or if I'm in the garden. Very handy. And also, it'd be kind of handy to have 
two toilet locales because we have only one toilet now in the household. And that leads sometimes, even with just the two of us, with a certain amount of knocking and complaining. It occurs to me you'd, you'd actually, if you use that toilet way back there, you'd be taking an eco-promenade. Yeah, see, that's the real eco-promenade. That the real eco-promenade. <laughs> so I like that idea. And, you know, we can save, we, even though the eco-promenade doesn't use much water, we can save even more water and collect some nitrogen material for the garden. Maybe it, just, what about just one, well, no. It would be nice to yeah. be able to build something like that system into a house so you don't have to go outdoors and be able to have a a basement where you can maintain the waste like a crawl if you had a um if you had a decent crawl space which we don't like the clivis multrum i believe Mm the 1960s 70s era toilet that it's a composting toilet it's still in use i think it's a swedish system and in parts of Scandinavia, they have these, and someone comes around and maintains it like the night soil man of old. Those were the good old days. When someone would come and take your waste away and compost it. Yeah. Which in some to. ways is the best option, but not something that's done much anymore. <laughs> no, night soil man is not a prosperous career. I love the. I love that. I love the way back then where they had, you know, there was really no such thing as waste in that kind of economy. So the night soil had value to farmers. So it paid for the night soil man to go around and pick up everybody's um, deposits, which they left in a cellar. I think the chamber pots would just get taken down to a central receptacle in the cellar, which could be accessed from the street by the night soil man. But there were also people who collected bones, which had purposes. I'm not sure what they ground them up um, for various um, cottage industries, bones and rags, which were collected for paper. So clothing was very expensive. And it would go like it would go, you know, from the primary wearer to a hand-me-down within the family to maybe a servant. And then the servant, you know, would maybe use them, use the cloth as rags when it fell apart. But then even the rags, once the rags were no longer functional as rags, they got sold as paper for making paper. And so like everything, everything got reused, ash, rag, bone, yeah, poo, exactly. everything. Which, I love that. Which is the ultimate goal of, of humaner. And something maybe, given the drought conditions, I think more and more people will be considering. I just at the library picked up a copy of Laura Allen's new book on water. Water, what's it called, actually? It's oh, a, it's in the living room now. Yeah, I know. Exactly. It. I will do we a review got, of We're going to do a review because she's, it's a, really she's nice a great book. water expert from way local, back. Local, yeah. Local. She, she was the gorilla. Originally Oakland, I think, and she moved down here yeah. a few years ago. At any um, rate, I noticed that it had a human or section. It has a very extensive toilet section, and I skimmed it on the way back from the library, and it looks... It looks very solid. Looks like a really good book. Yeah. So that's if you're thinking about either doing rainwater collection, gray water, or humanure uh, in your house, that's a good book. We'll, and we'll put a link um, on our page to, to uh, um, sort of apologize yeah. for our lameness and not remember not the name now. The but book. the author's name is Laura Allen. So just look for that and you'll probably find it. Okay. Anything else we didn't talk about? We didn't use enough punning. You know, no, we love talking like about like a royal poo, flusher but... <laughs> of toilet topics. Toilet. Topics. Anyways, yeah, right. we could have we could have punned much more, but people were probably glad we didn't. 
Probably. Well, let's, maybe we should end it there and just say uh, appreciate all the support and nice comments that we've gotten in the past few weeks here, and oh, as always. And next week, I'm hoping we're going to have a person from Arizona to talk about Africanized bees. We're going to have a little discussion about that. So that should, be, that should be pretty interesting. To leave a comment for the Root Simple podcast, call us at 213-537-2591. You know what? We haven't had any comments in a long time. So I'm going to say that again. If you got a weird question or feedback or something... Just give us a call, and that number again is 213-537-2591, or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. You can also send a, a, a comment or a question for the, uh, for the podcast that way, too, so rootsimple at gmail.com, and we'll read it and respond in an upcoming podcast. We are Root Simple on Twitter. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment for us in the iTunes store. We're also on Stitcher. And you can support the Root Simple podcast by buying a copy of one of our books through the Amazon links on our website. Our theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 